Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming to the Dad's Beards Nerds Prime Podcast, Episode 77, Anchor's number one nerdy conversational podcast, and the podcast where two of us can grow a beard, and the other, not so much. My name is Anthony. I'm Tommy. And today, no George, but we are joined by the wonderful Shiva, Asma, and Kevin Ho, both writers for FancyComma.com. Thank you to both of you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, um, so uh, a little bit of history for you guys. Actually, Shiva reached out to us when she was writing a, uh, an article for LifeWire, which is an awesome article. Check it out if you can. Um, I'll, I'll put it in, in the show notes. But Shiva hit me up or hit us up, and I was the one who ended up responding. And it was an article about the PlayStation, uh, what was it, conference? Or the PlayStation yes, kind of like PlayStation like state Sony State of Play. The Sony State of Play that just came out with the announcing the newest games for the uh, PlayStation 4 and the, without talking about the PlayStation 5 that's coming up this summer. What what month are we in? The um, fall. Last month's state of play. Yeah. It's like, I woke up this morning and I was like, I don't know. I thought it was Saturday. It was, it's Sunday <laughs> right now as we're recording. I feel I that. I feel truly, that. Truly, I didn't know what time it was. It, but, like, uh, I, anyway, but, yeah. Sorry. Shiva and I worked together on that. Shiva, once again, wonderful article. I loved it. And then she, I invited you. you on the show and Shiva hit me up and said, Hey, I've got a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, person who I work with over at fancy comma, another colleague, Kevin, can he join? And I was like, yeah, of course, the more the merrier, come on in. And, uh, that's how I met Kevin. So once again, thank you to the both of you for coming on. And, and like, I can't wait to have this discussion. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right, let's do some housekeeping real quick. And then we'll jump into what are we playing a little small talk. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please check it out please check out our daily news posted Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and an occasional review posted on Saturdays. If you'd like to support the podcast other than listening, please check out our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash dadsbeardsnerds, where you can donate to us, but more about that later. Now, we're going to start off with Kevin. Kevin, what are you playing? Uh, right now, I've been playing various strategy games like I always have, namely things like uh, Company of Heroes 1, um, Field of Glory 2, as well as RPG games, mostly Mountain Blade Warband. Um, I, at some point, once the uh, financial situation improves and I fix up some stuff, I'll probably upgrade and get some next generation stuff. But for now, old generation stuff is working right. fine. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Are, are you playing on PC? Yes, I mostly play on PC. Shiva, what uh, what are you playing right now or, or doing right now? Well... Between running my own science writing business, Fancy Comma, with Kevin, and actually Kelly, and our other staff member, which well, is not really our staff member, but our helper, Nitty, um, I don't really have time to play a lot of video games. I do watch a lot of video game long plays. I just watched um, Barbie on Commodore 64's Barbie long play and um, Sonic the Hedgehog long plays. Uh, I've been playing chess with friends with this guy, popcorn who goes by the name of popcorn on chess with friends but he totally disappeared when the pandemic started so i have not been playing video games as much as i would like but i am hopeful that i can get back to it at some point and mm-hmm. um i bought a sega genesis console last year but i haven't i haven't set it up yet and i also still have my old commodore 64 so i'm hopeful that at some point i will get back to gaming and play more video games and i used to play a lot of sim city build it but not anymore 
SimCity games are something that's so much fun. I remember playing those uh, like as a kid on like older computers and and the original SimCity, not knowing what I was doing, and then one day <laughs> it just like it just like clicked, and I was like, oh, I get yeah. it. Because oh like my. there's no instructions. Like yeah. the fir- my first get experience with SimCity was like, why is there why is there all this stuff here? Like where where are these people coming from? Um, what what are these weird blocks? Like what are these buttons? Yeah. And then I just like did a bunch of stuff. I couldn't even figure out what the I couldn't figure out how to use the game. But then eventually over time I learned how to play SimCity. Like I used to just have like random tracts of land with like weird zoning, and then like. I added roads and a power plant, and then I realized this actually creates a city. So um, I became like a hardcore adopter of SimCity for for decades. Okay, yeah. I've never played SimCity, but I played a game similar to SimCity called Stronghold. If you, I, any of you have heard of it, it's basically sort of like SimCity, but it's a castle building sim set in the Middle Ages. And for the longest time, I had no idea how you were supposed to defend yourself and build an army. Yeah. And turns That's out, I am with StarCraft. Turns out the way you do it is that you have to like gather resources and manufacture the weapons and armor yourself. Store oh. that stuff into an armory and then have enough tax revenue to forcibly draft peasants into your army to defend yourself from the various nefarious lords that you will encounter in Stronghold. Also wild animals. That's got to be one of the wildest like but also accurate ways to like build an army. <laughs> I mean, it's the Middle Ages. It's professional yeah. armies weren't really a, weren't really a thing back then. So yeah, fair. Shiva, um, I I know I've said this already, but I'm gonna say it again. With uh, you were saying about the the, the Sega Genesis and then also uh, the Commodore 64 that you got, right? Yeah. I cannot wait to see what that looks like on your entertainment system to have like two just classic, amazing consoles just chilling there. Yeah, that's gonna be totally epic. I'm a big fan of like vintage everything like even my clothes are from like 2013 that i hunted down in a j crew catalog so mm-hmm. i'm really picky about my clothing video game systems everything and as long as little children are selling their game consoles on facebook marketplace i will be totally set <laughs> I, like I like that 100 that's what that's how i got my sega genesis i like yeah. i had 50, i was like hey kid i'll give you 50 dollars for this sega genesis and he was like he like gave me i met him kind of outside of oklahoma city where i live and he was like i tested this and it and everything works and i was like thank you uh, my life is complete now but it's like <laughs> that i mean i don't even know why that kid had a sega genesis he was easily like maybe 13 or something like that and yeah. i i mean sega genesis came out when i was 13 so I, I just don't understand children. these. I don't understand anything these days, but I, I definitely don't understand kids these days playing Sega Genesis, but I totally support it 100%. I've got three children and I still don't understand them. So children so, are so fair. <laughs> like, I teach children and I don't understand them. I don't, <laughs> I don't plan on having children and well, that this is basically why. Try, th- I don't so- think... Their minds are so, they work too fast. They're just, I used to study children doing my master's in at Georgetown University and their brains are just, their parts of their brains are developed, parts of their brains aren't developed. They're uh, also they're, much more, um, they also have far less restraints. Like, because they're so young, there's so few, like, isn't developed. Right, there's so few, like, mental restraints that children have compared to adults. Either because of lack of 
maturity or because society hasn't forced those, taught them these social restraints yet. True. True. All right. Uh, Tommy, what are you playing? Uh, I've been playing Destiny because it's the last week of the Solstice of Heroes event, and I've got to finish off this armor, although the event is garbage. <laughs> uh, why? And I've been playing Avengers, even though I shit all over the microtransaction model last week. I felt like with it being my most anticipated game of the year, if you look back at our Game of the Awards, ep- game of the year awards episode last year, mm-hmm. I felt like giving it a fair shake. And the gameplay is great. It's a lot of fun for like the story. Uh-huh. I'm not very far in. I'm like 10 or so hours in, maybe. And it, it's been a lot of fun. I still hate the microtransaction model with the battle pass and everything to do with that. But I can at least say that I'm enjoying what I'm playing of it. I'm so happy to see Camilla Khan be like featured in that game. She's As, such a good character in it, man. She is an amazing character. She's one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters, like right right alongside like Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. And I I, I bought her figure. They have the, the the figure of her from the game, and and I saw it at GameStop, and I was like, I got to pick that up. But yeah, she's it's so super 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 cool to see her as like basically not only a like what she's kind of like the main character, but she's also our eyes. We're kind of experiencing the game through her. She's a hundred percent the main character, and she's what brings the Avengers back together. So in a sense, she sort of replaced the role of Spider Man as the audience relatable audience surrogate, yes. kinda. Because I remember Spider Man used to occupy that. Oh occupy yeah, that role. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely our, like in what was it in the Marvel movies? Yeah, Spider Man. Once he came in, he was definitely our our eyes to well, it all. Even in like comics and some of the cartoons, that was really Spider Man's biggest role. But in this, in the the game, it's definitely Kamala doing that. Which is under which makes sense because Kamala is a new generation character, so. Whereas Spider-Man has much more um, collective memory surrounding him. So it yeah. would make more sense that Kamala Khan would take would sort of be the successor of the audience, the youthful audience surrogate. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but Tommy, overall, you, you're enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I think it, nice. I think it's kind of too early for me to say, oh, this is a great game, good game, bad game, whatever. Yeah, but I'm having fun with like my experience. I'm really excited to see how the end game is. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I'll see myself out now. I'll see what you. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, a recurring theme I've noticed with all these new generation like mainstream games that are festooned with microtransactions is that once you get rid of the microtransactions, the games are usually at the very least halfway decent. Oh, for sure. But like, because of the weight of microtransaction, microtransactions, any goodwill that is gained from the graphics or the gameplay just disintegrates. Instant disintegrates. Yeah. Yep. Within moments. What are yeah. microtransactions? Are they like buying things in games, or yeah, are they like purchases? Basically, I that SimCity Build It has a lot of those, and I never buy them. I've been tempted to buy them, but I don't. I don't spend money on video games that I can get for free. So it's such uh, a integrated business practice now that a lot of 
especially publishers rely on now to make to make money as opposed to upping game prices that there's there's a big debate on whether like if game prices go up do they need to still stay in there but they'll never go away because now they're they're legitimately an industry standard and you can think you know farmville and uh and yeah and what, i remember Andy farmville. Crush. you can think Car- farmville candy crush you know uh all the original games with microtransactions really for that for kind of paving the way for the the, the big triple a publishers to do that as well you know i read that video games in the second quarter of 2020 because i was working on this for lifewire um they broke we broke Amer- humanity whatever the world broke a record in video game purchases in 2020 and because we're all staying home and playing video games oh i wouldn't doubt it oh no, makes sense. well especially with everything digital too like I, I know i've moved my game library to all digital so it's even easier to buy games now than it ever was so it's like instead of having to go to gamestop i can just uh i'll get digitally unless somewhere like gamestop is giving some sort of deal like a GameStop exclusive, like with COD, Call of Duty, or Madden, where like if you get it pre-ordered at GameStop, you get a specific thing that, that you can only get by pre-ordering at GameStop. So it also doesn't help that online game distributors are like actively competing with one another to get like special like yeah. purchase options for certain games. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Total War series, but Total War, re- the Creative Assembly, the company that makes Total War, just recently create made release their next entry, which is Total War Troy. And there was a bit of controversy surrounding it because initially, even though it's supposed to be released for all online distributors, Epic, the Epic Game Store got an early early release for Total War Troy and free purchase within 24 hours of release mm-hmm. because of some kind of backdoor thingamajigger and caught, ruffled quite a few feathers on Total War forums and on the Total Epic's War subreddit. Yeah, ex- it seems ex- exclusivity is also another another trend right now with. I mean, PlayStation has it with Spider-Man and Avengers, I right, Tommy? <laughs> you know, I just read that Apple, it was like Fortnite, was, yeah. is not available oh on the App Store or something. That. It's a giant hoopla. It's, I think it, it's it's not as cut and dry as uh, as people think it is. We had Brandon Myers, who's a friend of the show, a.k.a. Flurple, and he kind of broke it down for us. And uh, it, it sounds, that it's so complicated, but it also sounds like it was definitely planned by epic to make apple lose face and force their hand on certain things but apple is apple and they're not gonna well yeah apple is a huge tech company and um i was just watching uh big tech be grilled by congress i don't know if you guys watched that they had sundar pichai the ceo of google tim apple sorry tim cook the ceo of apple yeah. <laughs> um i can't remember the other guys there's some other like um the zuckerberg 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 was there for Facebook, and there was another guy. Mike, who's the Microsoft guy? Oh, oh Bill Gates. No, well, not Bill, there's another. It's Satya oh, Nadella or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all there chatting, and actually, they all sort of handed off their supremacy, like their their whatever. Like they're like, actually, we're not number for number one in streaming is like so and so app. Number one for social media is actually TikTok, which is currently on its way to being banned by the current administration so which i'm really sad about because i've been reading oh well this isn't a game but i have been watching a lot of tiktok like i can say all of the different feelings about the bet about the possibility of getting banned well i mean i thought disney was gonna buy it but they backed out and twitter and microsoft have both expressed interest in buying tiktok and i really like tiktok 
I would love Microsoft to buy TikTok. TikTok looks but interesting. Just like, I know Snapchat is basically building its own version of TikTok, I believe. That's and also Instagram thing. Reels. Yeah. Yeah, Instagram is notorious for that. Snapchat, when they did their stories, Instagram took that. Um, I mean, it makes sense that other like social medias would start picking and choosing favorite parts of other apps and integrating that into their own app. I mean, it's yeah, you, 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 technological evolution. Yeah, yeah, you got to go with that. You got to go with the times, but I mean, the whole the whole TikTok thing is such a. I have I mixed. I have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, it has really bad ramifications for business and trade. On the other hand, TikTok has uh, some not so nice implications as far as personal security goes. But yeah. and that's a topic for another day. Okay. Let me say what I'm playing real quick. It's only one game. I've been playing more, but we all know Rocket League, Marvel Strike Force. Yeah, we all know. Been there, done that. I say it all the time. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remaster. Oh, the nostalgia. Is that is the one good? on the Sony PlayStation? I love that yeah. game. It's so much fun. The remaster, everything looks really good. It just, it's it's fun. It's so much fun. And and because every every round is what, like two minutes long? Like it's so, like you can hop in for 30 minutes and feel like you accomplished something. You can hop in for 15 minutes and feel like you accomplished something. Um, I'm, I'm finding as I'm getting older and my children are getting o- older and we're doing more stuff as a family, you know, sports, uh, homework, stuff like that. These, I only have really have these small chunks of time in between 20 minutes to 45 minutes. And to maximize that, I feel like is one of the greatest things the game can give me. And Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remaster uh, definitely is perfect for that. So I'm loving it. It was definitely worth the $40. It, it should have been $60 realistically, but I'm loving it. It's worth it. Okay. Awesome. We're going to take a small break and we're going to hop into our topics. And we will be right back. And we are back. Once again, our guest is Shiva Ozma and Kevin Ho from FancyComma.com. Let's hop into some topics. Now, the first topic is a topic that uh, when Shiva and I talked for the original article that that we talked about, uh, Shiva, you expressed a big, big love for retro gaming. Um, And we kind of we got to talk a little bit about some of our our, our childhood memories of, uh, I think it was like the Sega Genesis. Yes. So actually, my love for gaming goes beyond the Sega Genesis all the way back to being four years old and getting a Commodore 64 for my birthday. And my dad and I used to do programming together. And that's how I got into MIT, probably by being such a lead hacksaw genius. (laughs) So but actually, um, I played Commander Commander Keen on Windows 3.1 and Super Nintendo at my friend's houses. And I really, really got obsessed with Sega Genesis in middle school. And I don't know if you guys remember Sega Channel, but it yes, was like a yes. thing. It was like a subscription. It was the very first subscription service I have ever heard of. And I Googled it and it lasted from 1994 to 1998. And you could play like basically any game. And I would stay up like all summer just like playing Sega. Yeah. And I'm like, I am still so obsessed with the Sonic the Hedgehog games and Tails, Miles Tails Prower is like my spirit animal. Um, but I I loved Sonic 2. I actually, I also liked Sonic and Knuckles. And I don't know if you guys remember Sonic and Knuckles, but yep. there yep. was like a little thing you could, It's like it was like an add-on. You could just add it to your Sonic games. Or I don't know if it was Sonic and Knuckles. I think it was Sonic no, no, and Knuckles. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was Sonic and Knuckles. You just like add it. Like, so you, could, you put in Sonic 2. Sorry, you put Sonic and Knuckles. Then you put Sonic 2 in the Sonic the 
Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, and then it like it added Knuckles to all the different games, so you could play as Knuckles. Like I used to, I guess this is called cosplaying as Tails growing up, and I'm not ashamed to admit that because Sonic the Hedgehog is still cool, and I just watched the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which by the way I totally recommend, even though yeah. it came out a long time ago. Now, it's it back in out- social prominence after years of floundering from mediocrity to mediocrity. Well, Sonic is not mediocre. Sonic is total all in for justice and freedom and everything. And that's I mean, what I I'm, love about it. Actually, dogs. I know, but I was just talking about like the state of basically like my memory of Sonic was that he was a big figure in the 80s. But for some reason or another, I it sort of just I think it just sort of the Sonic games series sort of just went into some weird. I don't know what to describe it. Uh, yes. So. Let me piggyback off of you real quick. So the Sonic games that we were getting in the early 2000s were definitely not after it's after Sonic's, you know, Sega Genesis Renaissance or not even Renaissance but birth. Um, yes, there were lots of Shiva. 100% Sonic and Knuckles was one of the best games because of the fact that it had the it, it, on top of the cartridge you could put on Sonic One and Two, which was just genius at that time. I have super fond memories of that game as well. So, and then also uh, Sega Channel. Oh my, yeah, I remember playing that at, at an arcade. And you would get like five minutes or whatever. But uh, man, I'm so happy you know about Sega Channel. Not a lot of people know about like it's it's really obscure and it kind of got lost in in the memories of time. But um, in the in the up until about what Tommy Sonic Mania, all uh, the Sonic the Sonic Generations really. Well, I would say the Dreamcast Sonic games are 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 beloved, and then after that, until we got Sonic Mania, it seems like all the Sonic games up until then have been kind of. Right, right. There's a Sonic Heroes on the PS2, uh, and then on the Wii there was Sonic Colors, but they're few and far between. Most of Sonic like hype from '90s kids like myself came from either Sonic Heroes or the Sonic 2000 show. Oh yeah. Oh, have you guys seen the Sonic cartoons? Like, I just rewatched them. The Sonic early Sonic cartoons are totally epic. I think they're on Netflix. Everyone should definitely check out. Well, if you like Sonic, you will love those cartoons. Seriously, they're so good. Yeah, Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog, and then Sonic's Underground, which is the one with him, his brother, and his sister. Right. Uh, Sorry. No, you're good. Shiva, I I know you said you like a lot of retro stuff. Yes. I don't know if you have a 360 or not. I don't have a 360. Okay. If you get your hands on one, definitely play Sonic Generations. You will will check it out. It is a hybrid of the 2D and the 3D Sonic games where you replay classic stuff. I remember hearing about that. I think it just came out actually Uh, because someone told me they were going to buy it. I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is old school Sonic. I'm old school Mm -hmm. Sonic all the way. I just re- yeah, I just remember that once like the old older school format of Sonic games got re-released on new generation systems, that's when the franchise started to pick up steam. In that period yeah. between the re- the old school revival and the end of the sort of Sega Genesis glory days, there was some weird I so it just seemed like the the franchise was trapped in the wilderness, trudging from point A to point B, whatever wherever those are. Yeah, it was kind of in like a weird, awkward limbo. Plus, it, it was switching hands between different developers, stuff like that. I just, you know, plus, I, I feel like some of them, they kind of got away from what made Sonic so good is that that really solid 2D platforming with with that sensation of speed. 
Right. A yeah, lot of- Sonic is really fast, and that's like oh. the main thing about him. And he's so cute and so blue. And I just love. And did you know he's based on Michael Jackson? Apparently. Hmm. What? I didn't I, know that. Yes, because I spent some time reading about Sonic a while back, and the music was based on Michael Jackson. Uh, the designers, I guess, they were Japanese people. I guess they really like Michael Jackson. I don't know, but apparently Michael Jackson has a Sonic has influenced Sonic heavily. I like that. Huh. Um, Shiva, can I ask you a question? Yes. With the uh, Commodore six Commodore sixty four, correct? Yes. What were you and your dad? Um, what were you guys coding? Because oh, that makes one hundred percent. Like knowing that makes one hundred percent like like clarity why you would love the tech industry because of at such a young age. I'm assuming you were you were already yes. coding, and so was, like yeah. yeah, like what were you guys coding? We were coding in basic. So Sonic or Sonic, sorry, Commodore sixty four had like sixty four kilobytes of RAM. Like your computer now has like. I think gigabytes of RAM, so it couldn't yeah. really. You had the, and I don't know if anyone of your listeners remembers floppy disks. Oh, I do. I do one hundred percent floppy disks. I used, to have, floppy I used disk. to have to save reports on floppy disk. Yeah, uh, floppy. Well, floppy disks got replaced with the little hard disks, but they and those are just gone now. They're replaced by USB or even like Google Drive, which is like gigabytes and oodles and oodles of space for everyone. Um, but yeah, I used to program like really simple basic commands. Like we used to program like, I love you, Shiva, like in a loop or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, it was really fun. Like as a kid, like it's always cool to bond with your dad over like cool stuff. And like yeah. my, I'm like kind of a, I'm kind of a tomboy. So my dad and I, we bond over like computers, uh, sports, um, like just like basics. We got like some books from the program i don't know where we would get books back then but like programming books because like having a computer was like really strange back then like it was like amazing to get a computer but now everyone has their smartphones they can do everything from their smartphone i don't know what programming is a lot different now it's a lot more complicated because like i'm i'm looking at a google doc of my notes right now um i don't even know how they program this but like back in the day like commodore 64 was just like really like 8-bit it was like the the it was 8-bit so it was like so incredibly primitive um i i just i can't code beyond that that's the only coding i ever learned but it's really important for i think it's really important for children especially girls females like me to learn how to code and video gaming can be one way to get people involved and like get their minds thinking about stem yeah no i i I love that that was it's so wholesome that it, it was a way for you and your dad to, you know, connect and yeah. deep, deepen that bond between, uh, you know, father and daughter. I think that some of the best memories are, are based off those moments we had with our parents where we got to learn more about them and they learned more about us via, you know, performing a task, whether it was, you know, playing a sport together, coding together, playing games together, or like them teaching you how to fix a car together, you know? Yeah. And my dad, my dad has taught me how to fix a tire my dad is the best. He has definitely taught me a lot of stuff that I would not know if he had not taught me. So my dad rules. <laughs> Kevin, what's your, uh, what, what are some fond retro gaming memories that you have? Uh, my fond retro gaming memories are a mix of stuff I was able to play on my own and stuff I played at my cousin's house. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason why I'm saying this is mostly because um, 
my parents were actually fairly restrictive in terms of access to video games. And for me, playing video games was sort of a do it when your parents are not at home sort of thing or do yeah. it at your cousin's house. And the games that I was attracted to were historical strategy games, especially old historical strategy games like Age of Empires 1 and Rome Total War. And in those games, it just felt like the con the controls were great. The graphics and music was really, really good. And the descriptions and the historical factoids, either on the unit descriptions or in like the, the manual that the games come with, were really, really enthralled me into the subject matter. To be quite honest, the only reason why I'm interested, probably the reason why I'm so interested in history to begin with, is because of video games like Age of Empires and Rome Total War. Mm -hmm. um, the more classical retro side of things, uh, the first game console I had was a Game Boy Advance SP, and I played uh, various types of games, mostly um, RPG games like um, like Pokemon Sapphire, Pokemon em and Pokemon Emerald, Pokemon Red Rescue Team. Were the oh, three that hurts my heart that they're classics now. <laughs> I mean, by my standards, any by at this, oh, by like everyone's standards, honestly. Okay, it's, I, but yeah, like it's those types of games. Like I really, really got me into like the idea of open world of RPG games, and I've sort of been an on and off follower of the Pokemon franchise ever since, mostly due to financial constraints and mostly due to mostly due to um just interest. And to be honest, I sort of stopped. I sort of just turned off from po the last Pokemon games I played was Black Two, I believe, on the mm -hmm. D okay. on my old DSI. Nice. Um, yeah, there was a uh, when it comes to like historical games. I don't know if you've ever wanted to jump down a like retro rabbit hole, but on the original Nintendo, there was actually a Civil War, um, like pseudo RT like real time strategy that was. It was, it's such a weird game because it was on that console. I don't, I don't, if maybe like a Google search of just like, uh, you know, Nintendo Entertainment System Civil War game, like retro. Wait, there, was a, there was a Civil War game on the SNES? Yes. No, 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 not the SNES, the, the NES. original NES. War game. And it was a, I, so the only reason why I know this is, is our babysitter, she had that game and I would play it. And it was a weird, like, I don't know. I can't even say it was like RTS. It had like RT. It was like an RTS before an RTS was a theme. Um, but it was a really weird, obscure, like Civil War game, <laughs> and I don't remember much about it. I remember playing North it not really. Huh? North and South. Yes, North and South. That's it. So Actually, if you ever wanted yeah. to buy Nintendo, yeah, and that then that would be like probably right up your alley. Yeah, Kevin loves historical gaming. Oh yeah, that, that's like one of the first historical like games I can think of playing. Man, the NES uh, was very much my retro console. Mm. I remember playing just the NES had a whole sw like swath of things. Not only did they have like a Bible game series with a Zelda like top down adventure game, but mm. You know, was it like, like adventuring through the Bible? Like in yes. the beginning, so, there was Zelda. No, okay, okay. So it was like you were, it was like in modern times and you were getting like pieces of biblical armor to like fight the devil at the end. And then there was an, also another one where it was Noah's Ark and you were playing as different oh, animals wow. making your way to the Ark. 
I never um, thought of the Bible as a video game, but there are a lot of really interesting stories that would lend themselves of, to. Um, there's a PS2 Bible game stuff. too. There's a number of cool. weird Christian video games. I remember somebody yes. made a Doom mod for like with a Christian <laughs> overtone of, of the Bible. That is crazy. I did play Doom, okay, briefly, I think it was like, but I was got negative Noah, and you like had to shoot slingshots at animals to like knock them unconscious or something. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they were they were usually generally like like pretty wholesome games for the most part. <laughs> um, you know, games like RBI Baseball was like the first real sports game I ever played. And then you you've got the the Mega Man series is like my my retro go to. Um, the Mega soundtrack Man ser- was really good. Oh, oh my god, that, Mega that Man music. has the best soundtracks ever. One hundred percent agree with with everything you two are saying on that one. Some of the best music ever, and some of the like best like quote unquote cutscenes, especially starting from Mega Man Two. Mega Man One was was really just kind of like a generic, not generic game, but it was just. Like they hadn't really found their feet, and then Mega Man Two came, oh, and he got all the really, really cool like like pseudo cutscenes with the the eight bit music and the really da, cool da, 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 yeah da, like like su- superhero stances standing on like buildings and stuff like that. But uh, that and then Sega Genesis, I remember the the original Final Fight on there was a game I put a lot of time into, and that was where like fighting games really clicked for me as well. I believe there was actually a um, Sega Genesis like version of the of the original Mega Man's one through three. Me- Mega Man the Wily Wars. It's super rare though. Uh-huh. Um, Tommy, yep. what are some of your retro gaming memories? Um, so I really started playing video games when I was like two years old. My like experience with video games is the exact opposite of Kevin's, where like his parents were like really restrictive. Mine were like, hey, leave me alone and play these video games. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> But that sounded like way more depressing than I meant it. But I I feel bad for laughing. No, please do laugh. <laughs> um, so like I did start with like the SNES and Sega Genesis, playing stuff like Mortal Kombat. Really shouldn't have been playing that when I was. Oh, did old. you play as me, Shiva? <laughs> no, I've, I've been playing as Sub Zero since I was two years old. I was in Mortal Kombat three. I used to go to the arcade and play as myself and be like. Uh-huh. Because my name is really rare. It's so weird that it's in Mortal Kombat 3. But yeah. and, Mort- and Shiva in Mortal Kombat 3 is like really, really not what I look like. I I didn't <laughs> like the way she looked at all. But that was my <laughs> one of my defining memories of growing up. Yeah. Mortal Kombat 2 was one of my first games ever. That and uh, Super Mario World. As a child, I beat that game. As a grown-ass man, I cannot do it again. Hmm. I don't understand it. It's the it's the the child the young brain I is so I incredibly just got really plastic. Bad at video games. You're, I don't know. Maybe you got your brain got filled with like yeah. how to do your taxes, like how to like pay the bills, etc. And like video games are just not in part of your brain it? anymore. Probably, but like uh, most of my like more so most of more of my like retro memories, other than those games and like the obvious like Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff like that are more of, like, in 64 era. Like, that's where, like, that's where I'm the most fond of, at least. Yeah. Because it was stuff like Banjo-Kazooie, Mario Kart 64, Pokemon Snap, all that stuff. Do you remember oh, Mischief Makers? I do not. I don't think okay. I ever played that one. Mischief Makers is another one of those weird, obscure titles that not a lot of people remember, but was a one of, like, the most solid games ever. Um, yeah. I very much urge everybody to look into it because the the game was also batshit bonkers as well. Like it was just, it was all over the place, but in the best way possible. It was basically my brain. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it was all over the place. A million things going on at once, and it was just a, such a really, 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 really fun game. Um, like, no, I, I no, do like love retro bonkers. games. I, I don't talk about it a whole lot just because they don't make – I I've, like. it's not the place for it. We talk more about like modern like stuff a lot. Yeah. Well, this is why I was really happy exactly. that when uh, when Shiva asked about wanting to talk about retro games because it's like it's a nice little jump down memory lane that yeah, I one hundred percent appreciate. I love it. Yeah, like do you remember like nineteen nineties internet? Like that's a question you probably oh, like, don't get a lot. But like geo cities, someone's like, on the internet, bow, 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 yeah. and then you're like, yeah. <laughs> your Mom, get off the phone! I'm on a forum. Yeah, or like you'd be downloading well. You may be downloading a file say, and then like <laughs> LiveWire. Yes. It. <laughs> like Lime LimeWire. Not Lime to be confused wire, with not, LifeWire, which I was yeah. Life LifeWire or LiveWire. Uh, my ceiling just like totally failed. So I also had live <laughs> wires in my house recently. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, no, like nineteen nineties internet was everything. Like I had a GeoCities webpage about flying toasters. I had like animated gifts of like Felix the Cat pacing nervously. Because my dad and I also share a love of Felix the Cat, which, like, I probably shouldn't uh -huh. talk about my dad so much because <laughs> he will probably listen to this and be like, why are you only talking about me? Um, but, yeah, like, 1990s, the internet was such a different place. Like, it was probably, a, it was a lot worse in a lot of ways. It was also kind of cool in a lot of ways. I have so many good memories of going, but anyway, that it just, that's why I like retro gaming because it reminds me of my fun childhood memories of like the internet being like such a welcoming place for me at a time when I did not feel like that welcome or I felt really awkward socially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're all forgetting about the ultimate retro game though. That okay. pinball game that was on computers that came yes! in every single Oh my one. God. I remember playing that game all the time. when I was Everyone little. does. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. That, that really is like, I think a lot of people that, like that in solitaire is probably their first real foray into, into the gaming. Yeah, Minesweeper yeah. as well. Minesweeper. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Check's Quest. Oregon Trail in school. Oh, Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. I actually succeeded. Super Munchers. Number Munchers. Game, game devs. That is really Free retro. idea for you. Remake Oregon Trail? They in have. The in the exact same, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> shitty text prompts and just fucking release it. Man, like, yeah. You have like, died of dysentery. 120p oh, yeah. that shit oh, on my Xbox COVID. One. I don't care. <laughs> one of the best parts was you would name, like, different people in your group your friends' names, and then one of them would die. Like, hi, Brandon, you died. Yeah, dysentery. Yeah. Brandon, you're dead. You died. Dysentery. I don't know what it is. And then you become an adult and you realize that, like, dysentery, that's where you, like, you basically poo yourself to death, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. I think the, the King of France in the Fifth Crusade, I think, died. Fifth or Sixth Crusade died of dysentery. Yeah, you probably don't want to die. You did, I mean, you don't want to die, period, but definitely not of dysentery. Uh, oh, but yeah. I think it's we don't pretty, get it that much anymore. Bad. And it was. Uh, and when my professor brought that up in my Crusader history class, it was. It got, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it got quite a bit of laughs. <laughs> Do you guys remember the math one, the green thing? Class. Yes, the, yes. Uh, the I, green I, alien number mun number munchers. You, yep. like, go and, like, yes. eat math things. Like, Very I love math, that. so. Um, one game I up. had childhood memories of was Type to Learn, which is a online typing game that my school had to teach us how to type properly. Oh, and God. 
And like, I for some bizarre reason, I was just so obsessed with getting perfect scores on that game for a Did long time. Did you guys time. play Math Blaster? Yes. I loved Math Blaster. That is like my OG math game. I used to be so good at math and I was like known for being good at math. So that's, I don't know how rare that is these days for females because I don't have any children and um, I would be scared if my children liked math because I'm an MIT graduate and I think I would scare them. I was good at math until they added letters. Then I was out. Yeah, Greek letters make me cry. I just, I'm afraid of Greek letters. I'm like, I don't give a damn what X equals. Yeah, honestly, I was, I like, I kind of go against the stereotype of being good at math. I was at best somewhat medium. The only math subject of math that I was remotely interested in was statistics, and that's because I like laughing at this bad statistics bad statistical practices from from people okay i'm gonna rein us all in retro gaming we all obviously love it we've got fond memories but we're gonna go to topic number two perfect and uh shiva and kevin this is a topic that you two had specifically asked to talk about because you've got an art uh, kevin you're writing an article on it correct for uh for fancy yes, comics yes i am so um now it may not be the exact well what's the can you say the title of the article right now or no uh, right now we don't have it. Okay. Well, it's a series of we're Work in we're not progress. sure if it's an article series of articles, but it's just about diversity in gaming mm-hmm. from three different perspectives or three different. It's like tripartite, so like three parts: diversity of the people that play the games, diversity of the game developers themselves, uh-huh. and then the diversity baked into the game design, which includes characters and gameplay. Okay, so, <laughs> I was I was way off on that. That's super what, interesting. What, yeah. what, what I wanted to actually talk to you two about, and I, I, I think that, Kev, Kevin, you've had some relevant stuff with this from, from what you've said, uh, is toxic experiences that, that Pac face or may face while gaming, whether that's in an FPS, an RTS, you know, playing games like League of Legends or playing, or just on Twitch in general. Um, we all see it on a daily basis. There are a lot of shitty people on the internet who love nothing more than to harass Pac with, racial slurs for whatever reason there really is there's no reason like what nobody know there's no point in doing it but because they do it anyway no to, to get punished for it because you're totally anonymous yeah. on the internet but yeah that's the worst part about the, these games like you know like when you're playing halo or something you're not uh-huh. exactly thinking of like the most diplomatic thing to say but like i think that this that racism in gaming like i just was reading on twitter this kid i don't know who it was they experienced racism like from another gamer and i just it grinds my gears because people shouldn't be racist to their fellow gamers. Like I know there's a lot of stuff that I have said while gaming, but I try to be nice. Maybe it's because I'm female and I'm females are maybe less confrontational than males in gaming. I've never read anything about the research on male versus female versus like gender, whatever gaming, but I've heard some weird stories about people experiencing racism, like during their gameplay which is really strange to me, which I guess is happening more with the multiplayer games where you're all talking to each other yeah. and stuff during the yes, game. Yes, it's more common in multiplayer. The Xbox 360 is prime for that. That's there's, there, there's anecdote after anecdote of about... Mom jokes, having just, sexual relations with yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. The Xbox 360 was... Especially Halo and Call of Duty on that. It's It, it, it was bad. Um, PUBG is another one. Oh, My very, dear. The very first game I ever hopped into PUBG... With our other co-host George, the first thing I hear is some kid just yelling out the N-word. And I and I'm like, is this common? And he's like, Welcome to PUBG lobbies. 
And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what people do? Or, is it- or playing Dota 2 and getting a mouthful of curse words from someone in Russia. The internet actually has a really bad um, racism problem. Like, I was, I have seen Nazi stuff on the internet. Like, I've reported it to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Sometimes it doesn't get removed. And I don't know if people do it out of being, like, thinking it's hilarious, which I can understand that, or actually being Nazis, which I cannot understand that. But, oftentimes, like, oftentimes, from the receiving end's perspective, there's no difference. And yeah, it's I just yeah. I don't know, like as a female, I have actually never really experienced any problems with gaming. Like I'm not the best gamer. People made fun of me gaming and like they didn't know I was female. I see more stories anonymous. of these situations than I've experienced them uh, myself because I'm not much of a multiplayer player. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's not hard to find horror stories of this sorts of toxic behavior, especially because I'm the type of person that I play things like World War II and American Civil War games that attract particularly pernicious types of players that like to engage in this sort of behavior. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we were just talking about this before the before we came on this podcast, and it's really hard from the game develop it's difficult from the game developer's perspective to develop a game that is representative of the history of like the very sad histories of the Civil War and World War II that doesn't... Um, unnecessarily draw attention to the actual like atrocities that happened and um like i think that kevin was saying that there possibly he possibly plays like there are neo-nazi type like kind of like neo-confederates depending on which setting we're talking about with him and then it, it just really makes me wonder what game developers can do to reduce this problem or if maybe the it's a bit historical game for the last message for these um, people. If I may um, on this one, because I have a uh, interest, like I have a take on that as a history teacher and a gamer. Um, I actually think that, like you said, portraying those events and the atrocities of it is actually incredibly important. I think Agreed. that the best thing they could actually do is show how horrific this stuff was and without like crossing a line of course in gaming type of thing like you don't want to actually go into a concentration camp in a world war ii game or or have those obligatory slave uh disciplinarian lashes the slave scenes you see exactly yeah they can but they can easily use history as a as a teaching mechanism in these like historical games to say, Hey, this happened. It's fucked up. And I think that's an important way to do it. Uh, may I comment on the, in the case of civil war games? Um, here's the thing is that, okay. As an example of this sort of game developers are forced to appease to less than savory players for business purposes. When you play ultimate general, when you play civil war games, oftentimes what happens is that in the introduction campaign descriptions, if you play as the Union, they will mention slavery. They will mention that you're in this war to bring all men, all to have men be equal, all equal under the law. Whereas if you play as the, and they also mention this, if you win the campaign as the Union, but if you play as the Confederacy, at, they usually, it's at, like what they mention is anything from you don't want to fight your own state, so basically the Robert E. Lee backstory, or B, something about states' rights at worst. And, like, there's this really strange dissonance in the way, like, this, 
the Union campaign and the Confederate campaign is presented in a lot of Civil War games I've played. And I think it's because if you try to, like, portray the Confederacy according to the current consensus from modern historians, which is the Confederacy was fought to preserve slavery, you're at best going to turn off people who want to play as the Confederacy, and at worst, you're going to tank your own game sales because lost causers are going to start a fuss about you being historically revisionist. Quote unquote. Well, I think it's important for people to know the history of racism that occurred in both of those wars. I don't know if I would choose gaming myself personally as the route to learn about that, but uh, I it, I think it's histories. The main problem here is that that history is so bad. It's like how are you? It's I I just I don't even understand. Not to mention gaming. it's politically sensitive and relevant Very to the identities so. for a lot of people yeah. to this day. Yeah, but I totally agree with you that um, it's important to know our history because we will not be able to, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. So we don't want to repeat either of those terrible wars. So, no. Kevin, I 100% I understand what you're saying about the whole, like, it could take your game. And especially if you are a game under, like, a, a AAA and sometimes even a single-A developer, yeah, your developer might, might it, not even might, it's probably going to come in and tell you no. Uh, because the, ultimately the, the, the developer, or, or I'm sorry, not the developer. The publisher. Yeah, the publisher is there to make to make sales, is there to make money. And if you're potentially putting the true history in there, which can... Rile up some particularly yeah. um, particular care people. Yeah, you're going to get your game boycotted or someone's not going to like it. And, you know, I, I, I have to agree. I think that having accurate history in games like that is important as well because... It gives you a, it lets you see it in a way that that's just not in a textbook. And I, myself, and I have some friends as well that maybe if history was presented to us in a game format, I would have remembered it a lot better, but because it was reading it from a textbook in a way that was not very exciting, I don't remember all, you know, other than the, the, the stuff we need to remember, we should remember. Um, but I think it, an accurate history in a gaming format that still stays linear to the actual how things went, I think is actually really important. But with current publishers today in this day and age, especially AAA publishers, I just don't see them ever wanting to put it in there because their goals to not cause any hoopla and have it go as smooth as it can and people to buy it. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a way to do it. Like if you look at games like uh, Spec Ops The Line as a prime example, that game has you do for lack of a better term, like, you go through some fucked up shit. The white phosphorus scene. Like, not even just that, but, like, the decisions you make as a soldier, it emotionally draws you in, and then it's like, okay, uh, this is what actually happens and people actually experience that. And I think stuff like that is important. Not everything has to be okay, yeah, these guys good, these guys bad, but we're just not gonna tell you why these guys bad. Right, right. Um, although the, with Spec Ops The Line, even though Spec Ops The Line has received a lot of a pra praise for being essentially a video game modernization of the Heart of Darkness novel, um, it didn't really, like, I'm not sure how well did it perform commercially, because I don't remember seeing a lot of games after Spec Ops The Line released in and structured with a story in that style. Um, it sold pretty well, but it didn't sell, like, it, it was no, like, of course, Call of Duty or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, because it came out in 
a definitely a time where people wanted like multiplayer and everything. Right, and it had Spec multiplayer, like, but it was really underwhelming. Yeah, and like with Spec Ops, it was pretty much once you beat it, why would you go back? So that part kind of turned a lot of people away, and I think that's what hurt it more than anything. Mm. But yeah, the, but yeah, that's kind of the main challenge I see with the portrayal of Civil War and World War II games is that there's a significant chunk of players that want like is that like. There needs to be, like, first of all, it's a game, so there needs to be a sense of symmetry to, like, encourage players to play as both sides or to play play the game as long as possible. But in doing yeah. so, you kind of have to whitewash certain details a little bit. It seems like a lot of developers whitewash certain details to make it so that it doesn't actively hurt some of the preconceptions certain players might have about the time period. The, the ultimate point of... Uh me mentioning spec ops is like you can show all of that stuff like the good and the bad like okay yeah union was for slave i was for freeing slaves excuse me and confederacy was definitely like let's keep people enslaved the best way to do that is a single player campaign yeah like if that like if you want to portray that part of history maybe just don't have people play as the confederacy just make a single player story of it where you're fighting them. I mean, I that's can see true. That. I can see it, that happening. Way, Sorry. I was just going to say this way, I feel like it's an easy way for neo-Nazis and Confederate, neo-whatever neo they're called these days, all the crazy people out there trying to be racist um, to, to have a gathering space based on, and I think that the game developers definitely did not even consider the fact that they could possibly be creating something that causes like nazis and stuff to unintentionally and just hang out yeah uh i think that maybe make greater diversity in game dev dev may be a way forward for to avoid issues like this where your sure. game um, is like historically I, accurate but it's like kind of bad also because i has, a comment yes okay. in the case of civil war games i feel like having a union only game is only feasible in like non real-time strategy co content context i can see oh, yeah, that no, happening sure. in like real-time strategy like non real-time strategy games like i don't know a turn-based game or a first-person shooter that is only focused on one side of the war but a lot of the games that feature this sort of whitewashing of union is about freeing slaves confederacy is about slave States but right. you don't mean like whitewashing you mean like kind of watering it down you right, mean watered, like they do talk about slavery, but they only talk about slavery if you play as the Union. If you play as the Confederacy, slavery is almost never mentioned at all. And I, I think stuff like that is really difficult to implement in a game because, like, you don't really want to, like, overtly, like, espouse slavery well, in thing, a game. I think the reason why is that... There's so many complex things to think about in planning these kind of, in, writing oh, them, sorry. these games. I lost my words at the end of that sentence. Sorry, it's fine. I, <laughs> I need to stop talking out of turn. But anyway, the reason why this sort of happens in strategy games is because most strategy games allow you to play as both sides. I haven't really seen a strategy game that allow, only allows restricts you from playing as one side, and that maybe we need to rethink that for these types of games. Because, like, do you really want to like be helping further a generation of Nazis? I don't. Well, yeah. a lot of people. But, but then it's like everyone games. that plays the games right. like that already are like, no, you can't take this away from us. Like we've always been playing it this way, and like they haven't thought about. 
I don't know how serious this problem is or if this is like a really bad problem in historical gaming, it but it doesn't seem to be that bad like for the most part. Is, it's something that you most I wouldn't want to play a game with with not like these people. I think that would be really a weird gaming experience. Like you're like in multiplayer, and also you don't play multiplayer. You we were talking about this earlier, so you don't really chat with nazis right i but, think that would be weird but in most strategy in like civil war strategy games like both sides are playable in single player and personally i think that's uh, understandable because the whole point of a strategy game is to basically you're presented a tactical puzzle and you are and you have to solve it and playing as different sides of the same battles offers you two different puzzles for the price of one essentially which That's true. Which extends I, I game guess time we just don't agree, and, like, which is weird. We've been arguing about this all week, really. We've been chatting about this topic for a I week. Know, I've been trying to convince Kevin he's wrong. He's been trying to convince me that I'm wrong. And we just have not gotten to a conclusion on this. Not so really. I, we'll go to- I would say out of that, like of the like the single player experience, if they're going to make a situation where you could play as either side, then they have the responsibility as that dev to show the horrors of that side. I think that's just really incredibly challenging to like really create it's like a, a good really, game. Especially if you're an indie dev, dev with limited resources. It's it's a fine line. It's a very fine line that they've got to walk on that. I think that now with all of the stuff happening relating to race in America and possibly elsewhere, where maybe and game dev culture is changing, all these people are walking out of their games. Um, maybe there will be some changes in and we'll see more diverse historical gaming, but I... I hope so. I, I don't hope so as well. Games. And this is I play, coming, like, Oregon Trail. That, this that is coming from... <laughs> Sorry. This is coming from someone that, like, as on the strategy game debate of whether or not you should... Like, I do would like to see a more historically accurate portrayal of World War II and the American Civil War that doesn't shy away from showing a lot of the more morally ambiguous aspects of the combatants involved and not have to flatten the not have to flatten the edge a bit to encourage more players to play yeah. and and I do this even and I still incur, but I still encourage like both sides being playable because because like not only does it's easier to portray like historic more accurately what both sides were doing if both sides are playable so to speak so to speak yeah. also also because the whole po- Strategy games have very much a puzzle element that you're supposed to solve with the tools at your disposal. And and obviously, the pro- challenges that the Union Army had to deal with at Gettysburg are different from the challenges the Confederate Army had to deal with at Gettysburg. For sure. I also think I just have like a different like view on that than uh than like you would because I have a like a degree in history and it's what I do for a living. Mm. So I would like to see that like portrayed in its pure purity is not necessarily the right word that I want to use for that, but that's in a more accurate format. Thank you. Um, my, brain, I, my brain is fried. It's that's fine. We were um, uh, to catch, to catch you up. We were talking about um, the portrayal of the, of slavery and the Confederacy in civil war games, yeah. because in a lot of civil war strategy games, especially both sides are playable. But the storyline and narrative you're given when you pl- are basically as different as night and day, depending on who you play as. As the Union, you basically go through like what is considered like the modern historical consensus that the Civil War is about slavery. You are mostly here to, at first, like they do, the, the way the story progresses, that at first you're here to 
to make sure that the union is preserved. But eventually, it the narrative changes to you're here to prevent to, to end slavery. Whereas the Confederacy, it's at best, at best, it gives you a sort of Robert E. Lee storyline where you don't want to fight your state at best, or at worst, it goes into the it skinny dips into the states' rights lost cause narrative. Can I say that? I think that when it comes to being historically accurate can actually work to help cement the fact that one side really was in the wrong. And yeah. I, I think it would actually help broaden people, broaden people, broaden people's horizons and help kind of get that eye opening moment to, to, to see just how bad the atrocities were that they were committing and what they were actually fighting for that any common sense person playing that was like, Oh yeah, 100%. These were like, th that was really some really bad stuff. And yeah, they should have lost. And what they were fighting for was wrong when it comes, right, especially when it comes to the Civil War, that. when it comes to like, you know, World War II, stuff like that. So I think that that at times it's it's frowned upon because it's it's bad. It, but I think it can be also utilized as an eye-opening moment to really show you just how bad it was, because obviously when it comes to war, there's it's it's brutal, it's there's nothing happy about it. You know, it's it's intricate, it's complex, and it's sad. And in order to see kind of the, the the nuances and the actual historical facts of what caused these would help really help people kind of learn the history even deeper and maybe even get them to go on their own to look into history books, go to the lo their local library, you know, Google stuff to actually like read more into it. Please don't use Google. Use Wikipedia to learn about the Civil War. It will definitely scare you. I have Googled stuff. I watch the Smithsonian Channel a lot, and they have really good documentaries on the Civil War, which is actually very bloody and American devastating. American Battlefield Trust. Like, for the love of God, please don't just Google that because you'll get some weird oh, revisionist yeah. history. Never shit Google that stuff that you could just go to the library and read oh, a yeah. book about oh, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like I said, uh, we did also talk about how um, a lot of developers are most are predominantly creating games for the purposes of commercial sales. And the reason why I am cautious of one reason argument against portraying slavery more overtly in a Civil War game is that it discourages people. It either A, discourages people from playing the game because uh, because like... Oh, like, originally, like, both sides are playable, but both sides are given relatively sympathetic narratives in order to encourage playing of both sides. But on the other hand, there's a lot of players who predominantly play as the Confederates, and if they do are offered a Civil War game that actually talks about how the Confederacy was explicitly made to defend slavery, they might throw a fuss and tank the game's sales because they're afraid that it... Well, you know, actually, diversity... I just read this article that diversity is actually helping boost game sales. So people thought a long time... For a long time, there's a lot of... There's not that many people. A minority is less people, so we don't... Like, it's not going to translate to huge sales. But actually, I think the game industry is finding out that being a minority... I mean, it like, helps on the game Attending to this stuff is really important. Because and you it have more boosts sales. Sorry. Because, like, no one wants to play a game that's racist... It helps well, on the game dev well, side because it's one hundred percent yes. It helps. No one because, wants to play um, a racist game. It helps on the game dev side because you get more talented people. I'm talking about like from the player base perspective of things. Is that like I can totally imagine a situation where if you offer a civil, sell a civil war game that actually portrays the Confederacy as defending slavery, that 
Like a lot of well, that's like, what they wanted. Right, that's the I hard mean, part. Like, is like it was. I just you, you're playing a game. You're really like you play as the Confederacy. Why the, would you even choose to do that? Is my yeah. first question. And then like, do yeah. you resign at the end? Like just like or like Abraham Lincoln interrupts your game and does the Emancipation Proclamation and. It just I have so many questions about historical gaming like as a concept, but that's that's what I get for that not is, being into historical gaming. Well, the thing is that like as I said, is that like if you okay, very few people actually want to play as the bad guy for the sake of being the bad guy. That's I think that's the issue. I'm saying this not as because I do agree with everyone involved about the like importance of historically accurately portraying the Civil War. I'm just saying is that from a commercial perspective, like there's sort of. I think that people will find that if they change it, like good versus evil is like a really common theme in gaming. But when it comes to stuff in history, like the world, the World War or the Civil War, where like first of all, America was on the opposite side of those two. I think it's like that. Pe- game developers will find that attending to these issues with respect to civil rights and and freedom and liberty and everything will actually boost sales. And I think that I mean, they're not doing their due diligence I by agree. not doing that. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just really pessimistic because I know that there are a lot of people, a lot of people who play Civil War games that are either a outright lost causers or b have lost pro lost cause sympathies. And I can totally imagine a situation where if you tried portraying this, a Civil War game accurately, that the loss of players with those sympathies will outweigh whatever gains you get from new players because of how obscure the Civil War game genre is. Yeah, I feel like it would be the opposite. Yeah. I feel like the people that would be attracted to seeing a game like that that was more accurate than anything uh, would attract people to it over the people that were either really fucked up and playing it because they're racist as hell or whatever. Yeah, because like the real story there. Well, this is my as a foray as I'm doing my foray into journalism. I'm just getting into like stories, but like the real story in the Civil War was that the Union defeat they they promoted liberty by defeating the Confederacy. So maybe they could instead of doing like we're trying to make the story as accurate as possible, they could go with like we're trying to do this history based game that shows the amazingness of the human spirit by overcoming slavery and um and they could do that with like world war ii also because like i watched a ton of world war ii documentaries because i love world war ii history and they're all like feel good things about defeating the nazis and establishing liberty and like liberating the jewish people and i Um, think that you could very easily build a game that has historical elements that also gives you that good feeling of like justice I can see that happening, but I can't. I'm not sure of how I can see that in a real time strategy. I'm sorry. I, I sort. I'm sorry. I'm probably being a little pretentious in assuming if you're trying to design a civil war game that's a little more, that's a little more cl- historically accurate. I, you're. I'm assuming you're designing a strategy game that focuses. No, I'm talking about just games in general. Okay. 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 I'm. So, I'm so sorry. I. I oh, keep on. Good, get, I keep on getting fixated on the real time strategy game because that's like the most common genre for this for portraying the Civil War is real-time strategy, where you basically play as the generals and command the armies in the various battles of the Civil War. Yeah, I I think with what you're saying is a real-time strategy game would probably be the best way to implement that. Because if it was a a first-person shooter with a narrative like a Call of Duty game, and you got to play as both sides, I can definitely see how that would be difficult for a AAA publisher like Activision 
um, to to oh, I don't, want to uh, release that. But when it comes to a real-time strategy game, I could definitely see you being able to play both sides. Now, would a bigger developer or want to do that? Or a bigger publisher want to do that? I'm not sure. But Civil that definitely War sounds like, like something that like in, in indie dev studio would, would want to tackle. Um, I mean, there are a lot of indie dev studios that tackle Civil War games. But yeah. on the subject of was the Confederate fighting for slavery, most of them are pretty silent on the subject matter. Yeah, I'm, like assuming, I'm assuming this is as to not scare away people who want to play as the Confederacy. Because I guess what uh, the central point I'm getting at is if you want a game, a strategy, a real-time strategy game or first-person shooter that with either a single-player or multiplayer component that allows both sides to be playable, and you portray it historically accurately by saying up front the Confederacy was about slavery, why would anyone play as the Confederacy in that po at that point? It would maybe we should really... stop getting... Maybe sorry, we she... don't need... Sorry, I don't know. No, no, you're good, you're good. You go, I, you go. Oh, sorry. I, 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 think, I think we're... I've we escalated should... this conversation a bit for, too much on this. Well, I mean, there are many good historical reasons that one might want to choose to play as the Confederacy, but I just feel like games should have it built in to encourage people to play the side, the right side of history, that the American... Yes. United States side. And I know history buffs and history purists will be like no i'm sorry like i, mean, I kind I, of want to revisit this epic battle that i don't even know maybe i mean was very I, I see i see the historical accuracy as more of an for an educational purpose and to not like mess with the not too like, well when i play video games maybe it's because i'm female but when i play video games i want to feel happy and i want to feel like there's something positive in my life. So I guess i don't understand historical gaming as a concept unless like I know. I, I know. There's I, a lot. like from an intellectual perspective, I can see like you want to play a historically accurate game with all the details as it happened. I think that's rare to come by. That is I, very it seems rare. amazing that there are games like this. It's also uh, the reason why Assassin's Creed is the Dan Brownie weirdo thing. It is. I don't know what Assassin's Creed is. I know what Assassins is, which is Assassin's like role playing. A game that, well, a franchise that goes all throughout history. Where you play as a, like as an assassin, and you. Long story short, you just kill either uh, Templars or some historical figures, and then work alongside some others. But it is in no way, shape, or form an accurate portrayal of history. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is this has been a, a really long but a really good conversation. So I'd like to get some final yeah. thoughts. Uh, Kevin, you go first, and then Shiva will have you go second. Okay. I'm so. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> I apologize for stretching this conversation specifically on oh, civil. No, you're, you're fine. No worries, man. It's fine. Civil war games. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that uh, to encouraging diversity. I think the games industry seems to needs a lot of work when encouraging um, diversity among um, both on the player side and the game dev side. I think of the two, the game dev side is probably more salient than the. Um, then the player side, I think if you encourage more player diversity on the game dev side, that will naturally encourage more people of color to play because they see more games that are more about them, that are more tailored to their perspectives, and are more attractive, so to speak. And that'll just naturally follow along. Um, and this is just related to the regular games industry in general. As for historical games, honestly, I 
I'm kind of at a loss. I'm so sorry. Hey, that's all right. No worries. Shiva, final thoughts. Well, I agree with basically everything Kevin has said about uh, the gaming industry and the problems with game dev. I have a lot of friends in software development, and there's so much toxic culture that happens there. Sexism, racism, you name it. Just due to the demands of corporate versus the individual employees of the organization. Uh, I think it's time for change in game dev, and I really think that once we get more diverse game dev and better culture in game dev, that a lot of these problems might go away or we could start to tackle some of these complex issues with race and everything um, and even make better games. Perfect. I, I love it. Um, I love it. Anthony, I've got one. Yeah. Too. Um, I think that a diversity in gaming, like at least on a standpoint that I don't think we really touched on, on the game character standpoint, is also something that will come naturally by getting more diverse game devs and and more diverse like game development like project leads and stuff like that which is super important cuz and i think part of that lead should honestly come from superhero games look at something like the avengers with kamala khan how many times can someone yeah. say that a muslim woman is headlining a game. Yeah. Like, and superheroes bring people into that. That's like, Hey, I'm on that screen. I can relate to that. Like, like we mentioned with black Panther, that was like, a RIP Chadwick Boseman. Exactly. I was listening yes. to black Panther soundtrack all this week. I'm so we're Kevin and I were both super bummed about this. We're actually chatting when we learned this news. I but just anyway. found it out from a Washington Post message. It was quite the uh, rude awakening, to say the least. Like, we had a really long-winded tribute to him last week. But all I'm going to add to that is, like, we mentioned last week how there were black kids around the world that were like, oh, man, I'm on, like, I can visualize myself on screen as a superhero. And now with Marvel, there's Kamala Khan that's, that Muslim kids are able to do the same thing. Like superhero, any type of superhero media has that ability to draw in everyone and connect people because everyone loves a hero story. So the best way, in my opinion, in gaming to diversify that, which would naturally diversify the community, are through stories like that. Yeah. That's perfect. And that's I, my two cents on that. I don't, I don't really know what, what, what I could add as a final thought to what you guys, have, all, all three of you have already um put into you know put into the pot and i just i agree with the three of you um it's definitely a a subject that's not a cut and dry fix but i think over the years we're going to see you know that piece of marble chipped at little by little by little until we're finally getting the the proper diversity the the proper things that we need in order to grow as not only an industry but as people as well so um shiva Kevin, I want to say thank you to the both of you so much for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate it greatly and getting both of your perspectives on this from a perspective that isn't just Tommy and I as 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 white men. I think is uh is super valuable and su and something that everybody needs to hear and and, and should want to hear. Um, now, what I need you two to do is is to plug everything and anything you're working on when it comes to, um, you know, not only just your website fancycomma.com, but maybe any social medias, any projects you're working on, stuff like that. 
Well, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Fancy Comma, on Instagram at Fancy Comma, at Facebook at Fancy Comma LLC, um, LinkedIn Fancy Comma. Uh, we're working on some cool posts for our blog. We're working on the video game articles, which will be posted sometime in September. We're not sure exactly when. Uh, that's all I have. I don't know if Kevin has other stuff he wants to talk about. He just wrote another. He's writing. Uh, been writing other articles for our yeah. blog that he may want to. I've been writing other blog content recently. I just I just wrote one that's unrelated to the games industry, but it's about fake news and misinformation. So mm-hmm. because it's a subject well, I, I've always been interested in. Once uh, once the the article that you're working on is written, please let us know, and we would we would love to plug it um, over all of our social medias as well. We will do that. Thank you for this Thank opportunity you. to chat about one of my favorite things, video games, and also <laughs> diversity topic I've I been, love to talk about. I've been meaning to find someone that like to talk to bounce ideas with someone to talk about uh-huh. like the sorts of uh, the aforementioned like weirdos that you might encounter in historical video games. I'm not sure how much more optimistic I've become after this conversation. I don't know. It just seems like I have to remind myself that the sort of games I play are not at all representative of what most players play. And mm-hmm. that might be a contributing factor to why I come across as so pessimistic about like, <laughs> prospects like this. Yeah. Well, I just, once again, thank you two for coming on. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having us. All right. Let's hop into that sweet, nasty outro. As always, if you'd like to support the podcast and the listening, please check out our anchor page at anchor.fm slash dadsbeardsnerds. You can donate to us. You can leave us a message. You can do all that fancy jazz. Next up, find us on all social medias at dadsbeardsnerds. And if you'd like to be part of our ever-growing Discord community, find that link in our Twitter bio or the show notes for every show that we release and produce. Next up, you're going to find George at ghioka. That's G-H-I-O-C-O on Twitter. And that guy underscore George1337 on Instagram. Tommy at Nightwing593 on Twitter. Nightwing5930 on Instagram. And me, Anthony, at plays on all social media. Until next time, I'm Anthony. I'm Tommy. And they are Shiva and Kevin. Thank you guys so much for coming. (laughs) Likewise, thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody.